It is critical you pay attention at this time. The following program is being broadcast to all fans of Nova and for the preservation of the Zendarian homeworld's culture. I am the world mind and I am turning control over to my human host. Welcome to the latest episode of Zandar Radio. I'm Doug Smith, also known online as Nova64, and I run the Nova Prime page at novaprimepage.com. In this latest episode, the Learn More in Studio 64 segment has the roundtable trio of Don Lund, Corey Blake, and myself talking about the Giffen and DeVito series, Annihilation. So I'll get started, and I'd like to thank you again for listening and following the show. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I hope you enjoy it and will become one of the champions of Xandar Radio by following or subscribing to the podcast on your preferred platform. Over in comics, Rich Rider Nova appeared in X-Men Red number 9 by Alleywing as Rich joins the fight against the powerful and unstable mutant Vulcan. Al continues to show his strong grasp of Rich Rider's character, despite having Rich not fare too well against the supervillain. But in pure Rich Rider form, Nova refuses to go down and keeps coming at the Omega-level mutant. And Al Ewing not only shows his love for the character, but also shows how the characters around Nova have respect for him. That is seen when Vulcan makes the comment, There's something in you that loves to hurl itself at a hopeless cause, isn't there? In January, Ablaze Comics released a variant cover of Traveling to Mars number 3. This variant is a homage to the man called Nova number 1, and uses the characters from the Mars series in place of the Nova characters. It's kind of a neat little cover by Brent McKee, so make sure to check it out. Now let's get to the Nova Newsroom for updates on the human rocket. The Nova Newsroom. The solicitations for April has a one-shot issue called Guardians of the Galaxy, The Bane of Blastar, which includes Rich Rider Nova. Here is Queen Adora with the information. Blastar is back and has launched a new Inquisition to take over the galaxy. The Guardians must act fast if they hope to stop him. But it looks like this found family is having problems of their own. Can the Guardians get it together before it's too late? Don't miss out on this classic Guardians of the Galaxy tale. The issue is written by Ralph Maggio, with art by David Tinto. It is scheduled to be released the week of April 26th, with a price of $3.99. Let's take a look at Top's latest Nova digital cards in its Marvel Collect app. The Marvel Collect app is free to download and use. Sam Alexander Nova appears on two cards in the Guardians of the Galaxy set, which struck me as odd as Sam was never a member of the group, while Rich Ryder has been one in multiple incarnations of the team. Speaking of Mr. Ryder, Rich Ryder Nova appears on two cards in the Danger Close set. He also appears on one of the Tops Now cards and two cards in the Tops Then set. And finally, he appears on one of the Corner Box cards in the Classic Collection. As always, if you're interested, images of the items mentioned in this new segment can be found at novaprimepage.com. Coming up is the Learn More in Studio 64 segment featuring a roundtable session as we take a look at Annihilation. Learn More in Studio 64. 
And welcome back to Learn More in Studio 64. Uh, this time, Don Lund and Corey Blake and I will take a look at the main series of Annihilation to follow up our last visit to the Prologue and the Nova miniseries. And I'm going to have Don take over and, and continue on for us. The excitement, if you, if you, if you, this is your very first time, then, then we'll try to continue the, the giddy excitement that is annihilation. And, and you don't normally associate the word giddy with a military science fiction type of movie. And that's kind of what annihilation is. So if you think Starship Troopers, the old Heinlein type of classic stuff, if you, if you think that, that old gritty science fiction, that's what annihilation is. And, I think we had mentioned it a little bit last time when we did Annihilation Nova, the lead into the main story of Annihilation, uh, that Rich is kind of evolving and growing up before our very eyes. If you followed Rich for a long time, even if you jumped on in the 90s, we're seeing something new develop in this very cinematic, very uh, movie-like epic story written by Keith Giffen. Uh, the cover artwork by Gabriel Del Otto is one of my favorite pieces of Nova artwork of all time. It looks like a movie poster. So when you talk about this movie feeling and it's, it's probably if, if anyone says, you know, came up to the show and said, Hey, what would you recommend? I, I think this is the best Nova story ever. Now I would maybe recommend the first Marv Wolfman run just so you get acquainted with the character. And we know he's had great adventures with the new warriors, but if you had to have one epic story, I think it's, it's annihilation. The day to day are the, we had the, the cover artist of Gabriel Del Otto. And again, fantastic covers. He's one of my favorite cover artists and his one, the cover, uh, it's also the cover of the omnibus and it was the cover of the promo art for Annihilation. And it's just fantastic looking, but the interior pages, Andre DeVito, another really good artist that I've liked over the years. He did a fantastic job on the interiors. So we hit into the, the first issue of Annihilation and in that same tone of, Big explosions, and we're we're working our way into, I think, somewhere around day two hundred of the annihilation wave. And Rich has built an army. So again, it's when someone refers it to as military science fiction, it kind of is because he's built an army to try to oppose Annihilus and his annihilation wave that's destroying everything and making worlds disappear. And we open back up with a reminder of how much destruction is being caused. And big pages, big art. And, and you see from the very beginning, the voice in the blue and gold red letters, our hero, Rich Ryder, is narrating much of the story and explaining about Drax. And he's explaining about all the, the army that he's put together and the size and the scope of the foe and, and the helplessness of it. And, and Nova begins the story in, in a couple of close-ups, you know, battle scarred and, and his, you know, razor stubble from the 90s is hanging in there a little bit. So we have, but we have a, a, a character as war will do to you have to grow up really fast. And so it's, it's not our malt shop, you know, Richard Ryder anymore. He's an effective leader. He responds quickly. He's using his powers and his prime level powers, uh, in, in ways that we've never seen before. By the time we get to the end of this story, we'll have seen, we'll see some things Rich Ryder has never done before. So Corey. In the opening pages, the explosions, the big action. What was your take as we as we get into the big main story? I think cinematic is a great word for it. It just feels, you know, I think I think when you think about 
comic books that there was sort of an era and maybe we're still in it, but there was sort of this, this period of time where comic books were sort of like trend, very transparently, uh, trying to be movie pitches. So I always use cinematic and, or movie comparisons to comic books sort of, uh, you know, carefully because I don't, because those usually aren't that great as comics because they're trying to be movies. They're trying to be a movie that hasn't been produced and trying to convince movie producers to make it a movie. Whereas this just has that feels like a fully realized movie in comic form. And it feels, but it feels like in the language of comics. And so it's really satisfying and just feels so epic. It uses the progression of the panels and the, the, the layout of the pages so that your brain is making the movie. And so I think that's kind of like why it it's feels so epic. This is a big deal. And so, uh, yeah, that, that kind of opening sort of recaps a little bit, but also helps set the tone of just how big of a deal, how, how serious this is. And so, yeah, you're sort of in the trenches with Nova as he's holed up on this planet, trying to hold the forces back of the annihilation wave. And things start to go bad as as their force fields start to fall. And so, yeah, you have this like looming building tension, building building dread that is kind of like hanging over them. And this, to me, I think rereading it was one of the things that really stood out to me is just how bad things go for them over and over and over again. And yet they keep trying to push back and find new ways to push back at this Annihilation wave. I mean, when you think about that term, it's it's like the ocean coming in. You know, when you see tsunamis, you see footage of tsunamis coming in and just unstoppably coming into the beaches and coming into the towns and things like that. And so, yeah, I just think there's this tone uh, that just grips you, just kind of like pulls you in immediately because of that. So, yeah, I, I was I was in from page one. Obviously, the Nova miniseries leading into this really helps kind of set that up too, and the prologue as well, of course. So, but even if you just dive into this, I think I think it reads as well. And you know, coming from the sort of New Warriors angle, I'm always kind of feeling like the New Warriors were the underdogs, and Nova, of course, among them. And so, whenever I see Nova or any of the New Warriors in sort of this leading role, the starring role, the 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 general of an army kind of position. It's very exciting and very gratifying to like, yes, exactly. That's what he can be. So that there was also that kind of energy to it. That was fun. Doug, what did you think? Yeah, you know, I like your um, analysis there of of it being like a, a tsunami. And in this case, you know, literally the annihilation wave. And it's got that, you know, I'm looking at that two panel where Rich is standing up on that block as everything's coming over the hill. And it's just, it's like, oh, crud, <laughs> you know, and yet I'm, and yet he is, it's almost like he's standing on the, um, on the front of a ship and he's seeing the storm heading at him, but he is standing there, not going to back down. And, you know, even though it's like a force of nature headed towards him. Yeah. Great panel. I've always liked that one a, a great deal. But this definitely is a much different rich writer than than we grew up with. And I think with Star-Lord being by his side, it's a nice counterpoint to Rich Rider in that we still see Rich Rider's real personality is still there. He hasn't gotten so crusty, for lack of a better term. 
you know, the true rich rider personality, even though it's a lot more mature, it's in situations he probably never thought he'd be in, but it's still there. I love that call out of that panel that you mentioned there, Doug. Uh, it looks like it's very like Washington crossing the Delaware, you know, him standing sort of on the, it's almost like he's on the, on the boat. And like you say, that wave, that's like him. Yeah. That, that kind of vibe is, is very cool. It re- yeah, it really is. And it, and it's the countdown. I, I, as we mentioned in the Annihilation Nova miniseries that we covered last episode is that the countdown, they're constantly telling you Annihilation Day 205 of how long the war has been going on. So it, it does, cause some people might say, did, did Rich grow up too fast? But I think, you know, based on, each of these steps and he's been in the thick of it since the beginning. I think anybody grows up pretty fast, 200 days into a war. So when he is literally calling out commands and making these decisions that we've never seen him do, one of my, one of those scenes where you talk about he's flying Dax into a battle situation and dropping him off and Drax, the destroyer. And he's saying, Hey, lose, lose hundreds or lose thousands, your choice. So he's giving rich the decision over thousands of lives that he's got to make that call and he's got to do it in just a few seconds as he comes up onto the battle scene and in order to save the the wounded that they're they're trying to protect from the wave the guys right in the middle of battle they're fighting with three they're fighting with all their allies and rich has to call fire onto his position so this it is a war movie i mean we've seen you know in those movies where it's so desperate that you have to call fire down on your own position because the enemy is overwhelming your spot. So he has to do that. And he's in God save my soul, right? This is heavy duty stuff. We've never, you know, we're rich is worried about, you know, the, his soul. This isn't fighting people in the streets of New York city. This is in space. We've got, you know, Drax of the destroyer. We've got Galactus is in this story. Annihilus is the main villain. It's huge scope and scale and, and the art is up to the task and the writing's up to the task. Giffen and DeVito just, I thought, I thought they knocked out of the park and the colors are great. They really hold up currently for, for the purposes of this particular. I'm not going through the individual issues. I'm reading the Annihilation Omnibus that includes all the miniseries and before and after. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful book. So it's, it's really well done. But, uh, yeah, so we have our battle. We have some after battle and it's a little bit of downtime. I think Doug brings up a good point that. He get that Rich, even though it is very serious, he still glimpses of his humor. I think Rich has always been able to kind of self-deprecate and and mock his mistakes and and do those kinds of things. But he also, in this kind of growing up stuff, there there there's enough Rich there. But we get epic scenes with, I guess it's a it's one of the bigger cosmic stories just in in Marvel history too. And there's been some really good ones. You know, Steve Englehart's written some really good cosmic stories. But as far as that. Part of that corner of the Marvel universe. If you like cosmic stuff at all, this is, uh, this is really epic. So any, any highlights from that first issue, Corey, that you saw that jump out at you? Well, Thanos's involvement, that's always a big deal. And it's kind of interesting to see here. He's sort of seemingly being kind of manipulated to serve Annihilus, which is also a big deal because Thanos is never sort of somebody's henchman, which is commented on, I think, later in the series. Uh, Galactus also, yeah, as you mentioned, Galactus in this issue falls. So there are these sort of trio of cosmic entities that are called out and forced to serve Annihilus and defeat him. So yeah, absolutely, you're, you're right. As far as like a lot of a lot of cosmic shenanigans and things like that, 
that really underlines just how big of a deal this is, how serious things are. And yeah, just the desperation, like, yeah, as you said, as you said, Don, like they have to, they, they lose their position. They have to, they have to flee and they have to uh, work with some of the Galactus's heralds to, to basically evacuate as many as they can off the planet. But they're They lose a lot of people because of the way they are trying to flee and while they're being overtaken. But they never give up. They just keep going. And that's kind of that unrelenting sort of uh, survivor kind of instincts kick in. And yeah, I think I think you're right as far as the Nova, the youthful Nova growing up. It, it, it worked for me. I never I never felt like, oh, this is no longer Nova. I felt like he had to act like he was a general in a war until he became one. And he had Star-Lord and he had other people, Drax, that that were sort of consulting and helping guide him. But he became the natural leader because of one, his power levels, as well as his association with, with the Nova Corps. And he just stepped into it. Like he was the one to really rally people together. And I think it worked. I think uh, it was cool to see this evolution and then just how far this will go over the next five issues. Doug, what about the rest of the issue there? Did you, what did you think? Well, you know, I think so, there are certain things that are kind of, you know, in subtle in certain ways. If you look at the cast of the characters that Rich pulled together for the United Front, I mean, we have Galactus's ex-Heralds, you know, uh, and we're, t- you know, I mean, that's some power levels there. And then you got personalities like Drax and you and Ronan and all these personalities that you wouldn't think would work together well. But, you know, Rich is able to navigate that and get them all to follow him. I think it speaks volumes about the kind of leader that he's involved in over, you know, all these, I guess, you know, almost a year at this point. But like you guys were saying, his personality is still in there and he's leading everyone well. And the one page I really like here is the page where, like Don, you were talking about that he has to make that decision that he's just going to he's going to have to sacrifice some to save more. And so, you know, where he's zooming across carrying Drax and then the close up to him where you can tell he's deep in thought and and regretting what he's about to do. And just the dialogue is it's reads very war epic to me. And I think he was uh, Andrea was the perfect artist for this. I really just super. And like you'd said, Don, the coloring on here is fantastic and it fits it well. You know, I always kind of wondered that last panel in the corner where he's confirming the order to to blast that zone. You got the Kree warrior giving him a thumbs up. And I've always wondered, did that warrior understand what was about to happen and he was telling Rich it's okay? Or was he mistakenly thinking, okay, Nova's about to save us and he's giving him the thumbs up? Well, I, I, th- I think based on the explosions that happened in the next panels, I think, I think that's why Nova was saying, you know, God help us because he's called it in on his, on his people that are fighting for him and with him. And that I think that the warrior gives the sign like, Hey, hey yay, Nova's here. It's all good. And it's not all good. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, I think that like the panel before too is is him calling it in and the the person on the other end being like, you know, sir, like, you know, as in this is not expected. So I think I don't I suspect that Cree that that Cree soldier is just like, "Hey, Nova, we're hanging in there. Like, hey, we're 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 fighting the good fight." What are those things? Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know uh, <laughs> I, I I'm going to take 5. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it is. In, in, so it is. And we've seen in several, like I said, in, in actual real world battles, you know, from my Marine Corps experience, it's never easy to call it in, you know, a friendly fire strike on a position. But, you know, it, the Battle of the Chosen Reservoir in, in Korea, things like that happened where air power came in just to try to slow the Chinese advance. So, I mean, these are they're, they're drawing from some really fascinating from some science phys- uh, fiction epic war stories and some real war stories. But, yeah, that is one of the things that you you are absolutely desperate when you're calling in fire on your own guys and your own troops just to slow down the advance of the enemy. But stuff like that does happen. And so that's that tells you how serious it is. Right. You know, that's and and how many times did, you know. Rich evoke, you know, God's name in this story because he's he's so sad, he's so overwhelmed, he's so desperate. And we should also call out here uh Gamora and he, it's revealed, have sort of cozied up to each other and some wartime, some wartime uh, commiserating, perhaps. And then that's kind of the beginning of a relationship that'll sort of be off and on for a little bit into his solo series that uh we'll be, I'm sure, getting to later. And, yes, and a little he, romance. Yeah, it's yep. in love and war. All's fair in love and war, right? Uh-huh. So, a uh, little little romance for Rich too. So, yeah, I guess a little more that you know our guys all grow up. You know, so <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess I try just try to reframe the story when people are saying, "What do you mean Galactus is in it too?" Well, what you have in these in this huge story is Thanos is working with Annihilus. He's got a contract to take down Galactus because that's one of the obstacles in the Annihilation Wave isn't sure that they can do by themselves. But uh, with that team up, Thanos working with Annihilus, that that kind of increases the hopelessness that they have at the conclusion of our first issue. Doug, any last minutes on, on issue one before we go to issue two? You guys, either Corey, Doug, what you got? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's great. Like we were talking about Gamora, some, you know, behind the scenes things or under the sheet things or whatever the kids call it now. And then just the just the humor between him and Peter. I mean, they bounce off each other really well. I mean, it shows, you know, it's like his confident as a war buddy. Um, you know, they got this good bind and a good rapport with each other that, you know, obviously Rich wasn't going to have that with Drax, even though he trained him following the, the miniseries. I think it's because Peter is other than Cammy is really the only human that he gets to interact with. So I like the the play between those two a lot for this whole issue. And I like that they're, they have no qualms about threatening the queen and doing what they need to get information out of her. And then we see Galactus fall, as you were mentioning, uh, Galactus being brought into this. And, and I think that, you know, we have the two new characters that pop up that were, brought out of the destruction of the crunch we see that that was actually part of the plan to release those two characters so they could take down galactus and anytime you see galactus being taken down you know that the threat is is going to be pretty huge so and all of this happens in just the first issue that's it's it's yeah it was a really good start to a really good story 
as we jump into Annihilation 2, another great, great Gabriel Del Auto cover. This one has Drax of the Destroyer and Nova back-to-back fighting the bug-like creatures of Annihilus, uh, um, blasting through on trying to, in, a, in a big battle scene. So it's just a great cover. So you are a Nova fan for a really long time. And so you see the star quality of the character and his, and his personality and that he can handle the situation. And, and Marvel and, and the editors giving him their great artists. There's great writers. There's, you know, so much effort is, is put into making sure that, you know, for, for Nova's big, you know, moment on the stage. Cause as Corey pointed out, he's a new warrior. He's the backup of a backup of a backup. You know, they, they, these guys, he's not supposed to be, you know, front and center, but he is in a story with, with all the stuff going on. So anyway, we get start off with a little kind of peaceful campfire scene a little bit with Drax and we get some more of the characters going in. We go back to Thanos, who's kidnapped Moon Dragon. So yes, every cosmic character you can think of, I think, is going to make an appearance in here uh, somewhere. Philoville is in here, and, and never forget. And for those people that aren't familiar with some of these characters, the Drax of the Destroyer, his destroying mission, his theme in life, as we, if you've maybe seen the movies and stuff, he's wants to kill Thanos. That's his whole mission. So you kind of have this tension going on where now that Thanos has been introduced into the story. And we see how powerful Drax is. He's still on that mission and some of these things to consider. It's while, you know, Rich gets to do a lot of the cool things and he's got to deal now with Ronan the Accuser and, and, and as far as the Kree leadership and the little tension whether Rich is doing a good enough job with the Kree. Again, more great art. I can't say enough. <laughs> Obviously, we've all talked about the great art, the great colors and, and all the, the production quality on it. So we open up, we're jumping into issue two. Corey, what's your first thoughts on issue two? Yeah, it just continues. I mean, I just, I love the, you know, there's all sorts of ways to do sci-fi. And and I think I like this vibe most. I think, you know, that was one of the big reasons that Star Wars was such a big, big deal was because they, it wasn't like clean, sterile sci-fi. It was dirty, Western sort of feel sci-fi. And that carries that tradition of like, yeah, I mean, that first panel on that first page is some villain drinking out of a canteen. And, you know, just different aliens of different types standing around and they're just, they're dirty. It's messy. It's, they're sitting around eating this bug leg. They're on the outskirts surviving on the run from this annihilation wave. And it just, you know, the art just puts that forward so well. And then I also like this, this like political tension that is introduced in this scene with Rich and the Cree leaders. And they're trying to sort of balance this new, uh, leadership in the Cree empire that has, that has sort of taken over and it's a little more sinister and a little more, you know, commerce oriented rather than the traditional Cree mentality and Cree philosophy. And so it's kind of a neat thing to see. It's not just all war explosions, shooting. He's the leader. And so there are these political maneuverings that he has to sort of contend with as well. And so we get a taste of that. Doug, what did you think about the sort of opening scenes here? Yeah, you know, I think that's, we see some of the things that make this so pun intended. It's such a rich story in terms of depth, not just rich the character. But, you know, comics prior to this, a storyline like this really would have been a matter of 
okay, Captain America showed up. We got this big threat coming. He ra- he would rally all the heroes, all the alien races that they would need, and everybody would have this unified alliance at a hundred percent with nobody else have any other kind of uh, motives other than let's go stop stop the threat and then you know there'd be the battle and everything would be resolved this i like that we're seeing the underpins of of this war this one where we see that the house of fiero is they don't have their own race best interest at heart it's about what's in it for them you know war profiteering you see all these you know like like Don was saying, you see the the dirtier side of stuff. It's you know people having to ration and and survive in in horrible conditions. And and again, but from Rich's standpoint, his personality is still there. And that's I think for me anyway, that kind of is what's holding it together for me. Is you know we see him having to make military strategic decisions, and then. He's sitting here having to make more or less political decisions. Who is he going to choose to side with, Ronan or the House of Fierro? What's in the best interest? And we see Rich not compromising. He's listening. I mean, he's sitting there at the table, you know, with his hands held together and watching and listening, and then stands up and he he's made his decision. You know, he's going to do what he believes is right. and. He at first tries to be smooth about it and said, well, I'll take it under consideration. Then Rich's will exerts itself and says, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not going to even consider it. Ronan's my guy. You don't like it. Get out of the way. And it, it's just, you know, wonderful adult uh, comics, if you will. It's a, It has a maturity to it. Just fantastic issue. You see Ronan taking out the house Fierro. And Rich is kind of like, um, yeah, well, I wish he hadn't done that, but yeah, okay, let's move on. And then you have the Ravenous and his group show up. You know, it's just like you're moving one one threat to the other, but they all have ties to each other. And obviously, Super Scroll shows up here, and and Rich is kind of, you know, he's respectful there for a minute, and then it's he starts talking to Praxagora and and saying, okay, tell us what we need to know. And just just fantastic issue. And then this part where we see Galactus being um, captured and, along with the Silver Surfer. Wonderful use of the art. Again, I think Andrea DeVito just does a, a wonderful use of panels, panel sizes, drawing your eye from one to the other. Yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really good Another really good issue that sets things up and, and the way that kind of the story is going, uh, obviously, is the bad guys are continuing to have setbacks. And that's kind of where we go rolling into issue three with the subtitle of the issue three being Desperate Measures. And an interesting cover for three by Gabriel Del Otto, where we have Drax the Destroyer holding on to just Richard Ryder's helmet and no Rich. So a little ominous, you know, as far as the message goes to begin with. But at least we get. The verbal log from Novacore operative, and I, I thought it was fascinating. I don't know if, if Doug is, I'm sure this is on, on the Nova Prime page. Rich lists his operative number, 
thought that was fascinating. So for whatever's left of Novacore, which is not much or rich at this point in time, and his verbal log. So we know he's still alive. And I, I still love the fact that that they use the blue and the gold as as his has his narrative as we continue in the story and he's saying how much it's gone worse and how much that they've had infighting and that the annihilation wave is advancing and it starts well in in four year movie we're into issue three um it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better and we get to see we get some moments with annihilus finally in this issue instead of just throwback panels or him working around the corners of it we get to see him up front doing some work. So we're into issue three. What'd you think how we uh, start into issue three, Corey? Yeah, th- this, well, things continue to get worse, just just like you were saying. Uh, so yeah, this group with Ravenous, w- one of Annihilus's sort of, you know, major, major operatives shows up. One of them is a, so, so one of the sort of insidious parts about the Annihilation Wave is that they have these little bugs that can, can take over somebody. So they're these little, like, I don't know, little, like, cockroaches that crawl inside of people and just move their bodies in as if you know as if like mind controlled and so you've got tarax and i think it's one of the mad thinkers androids and you've got i forget what it's called but the little bug-eyed guy from uh like fantastic four number like you know six or something like that i don't even know and um a couple other guys that are pretty obscure but they've got them and then and then that's just a distraction basically for another attack from the annihilation wave and this one this full page of this gigantic bug and this army of bugs behind him and just the legs kind of like arc arching over the panel just sort of like looming over stepping almost stepping over your head as you're reading it and it's just the the perspective is just crazy it's really good and yeah things just get you know, worse and worse as they basically, they, so they, they in issue one, they had to like flee where they were because they force fields dropped and they had to, they had to push back and they had to blow up part of their own army to flee. They've now retreated to this place and now they're getting hit again and they're getting in, in sort of annihilation wave infestation again. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just losing ground wherever they go. And yeah, Nihilus sort of gets, gets involved in this directly. You see more of the sort of tension between Thanos and Annihilus, which is kind of cool to see. And and you're seeing how Galactus is being used as a, like a power generator. Basically, re- basically, I thought this was kind of a bit a clever bit here where Thanos is siphoning off the energy that Galactus gains from consuming planets, and he's sort of keeping giving Galactus just enough to keep him alive, but s- starving, and then shunting the rest of it over to Annihilus. So Annihilus. Previously, one Quasar's quantum bands. He's got his own like power rod, his own powers, and he's got now Galactus's powers that he's gaining. So it's just this. It's just getting worse and worse as we go, and the odds are getting getting worse and worse. Yeah, and they're basically having to like flee their position here again, which is just like it just seems like is there any winning this? And and uh, they have to leave Drax behind to try and to try as they escape. The stakes just continue to get higher and higher as this series goes, which is a lot of fun. Doug, what'd you think? Yeah. You know, the one thing that uh, I really having reread it, uh, that I really enjoy is Keith Giffen's pacing on it. You know, it's just, you know, you're getting hammered with a whole bunch of action and then it, and then there's that switch over to Annihilus and, and Thanos talking about 
you know, you get a little more insight into what they're really trying to do behind the scenes. And we're introduced to what's happening with Galactus and such. And, you know, it's kind of that they bring you in tight for the characters and stuff. But then it's Keith reminds you what the actual scope and scale of what is going on is. But then he brings it back down to the character level again. And like you were saying, it, you just get this real sense of like Daedalus five was that was their line. We're going to hold the line here or we're done. And unfortunately, it meant they were done. Unlike, you know, you would think that like in comics, it had been resolved there. OK, we're we're going to hold the line and we're going to win. And that doesn't happen. I mean, the whole planet just gets wiped and they all escape in time and such. And that's this last five pages or so of it is the you see the three of them together, understanding that the United Front's done. They gave it their best shot and it wasn't enough. So where do we go from here? And they're, so they're near Earth and Rich is going to signal the Fantastic Four and let them know, well, here's what's going on. If you know, get out here if you can help us. And Peter seems like he's kind of pretty much trying to tell Rich, hey, we're done. We gave up or we gave our best shot and we're done. Gamora yeah, you know, she's like, well, I'm going to go fight underground type of deal. And Richard has that nice talk with Ronan there about, you know, I got to go do what I got to do. And if I have to go face it alone, I'll face it alone. Great character pieces inside what is just a an epic storyline. And I think that's kind of difficult to pull off. Sometimes you get writers who it becomes a character driven story and then others get so much focused on the big picture thing that maybe some of the character development gets lost. And I think Keith Giffen does a, a super excellent balance on both throughout the whole series, but you know, especially in this issue, uh, one of my favorites of the, of the series. Yeah. The, the quiet moments are really, really important. And yeah, the pacing. So yeah, what we're describing, I think maybe for, for some people tuning in, there's just going to see explosions every few seconds, but it is, it is the quiet moments and it's the resolve of the heroes against the impossible odds that make it the story that it is and make it stand up. And again, the art and, and when the world, you have the, the narrative from Rich, when that world explodes, he goes, this is what defeat tastes like. This is how a world dies. And it's a giant splash page. And I'm not quite sure how they pulled it off because you, you're, they're showing with comics, sometimes it's difficult to show motion and to show. So there's this wave of destruction of a world destroying. It's, it's a little bit like parts of the page are in focus and parts are like a little bit blurred out. And I'm not sure how they pulled that effect off where they used you know, like some Photoshop to actually blur an in focus page or whether DeVito just, you know, blurred that stuff out himself on purpose to, or the colorist helped out. But it's a fantastic page to show the, a dying world and what it looks like and the energy and the wave coming off the planet. And it just, so it's, it's such a, such a powerful thing that things are kind of out of focus. Like, you know, the equivalent, a comic equivalent of the shaky camera, I guess. It's a fantastic page. And then, you know, a few panels later, you've got Rich in a t-shirt and he's just 
flipping the, you know, his little info pad down and, and you know, getting frustrated with stuff. But as Doug talked about, this is our rich rider. This is why Rich is our hero. This is why we love the kid because he never, doesn't ever give up regardless of the circumstances. And, well, this is as dire as it's ever gotten. Really good stuff. Annihilation number four, another Gabriel Del Otto instant classic, awesome cover showing just how big Thanos is when he's standing in front of Drax the Destroyer. But this means we get, this sets up obviously that, that theme that we know that was going to happen from the jump that they've been pointing to. Drax is going to get his moment, his audience with Thanos. So we jump into issue four, more bugs and, and yeah, and when uh, Corey was talking about some of the, the creepy elements of the bugs that take you over. So some of it's almost, you know, I, th- I think it was described as uh, by some people as the military science fiction, but it's also got some of the horror science fiction, these horrible creatures that are part of this wave and how they take you over in them and the mind control stuff. And so, yeah, some of it's gross and horrible too. <laughs> and so it's a little, a little scary. It's not, it's, it's maybe at least PG 13, I think for, uh, for kids at home, they're thinking reading because these, some of these monsters are, Kind of monstrous. So Drax, he's on a he's on a collision course, and he's on his way to uh, find his good buddy. And, and speaking of Thanos, Thanos had started this story on the side of Annihilus, but he figures out Thanos. You know, he only likes to kill half the universe at a time. He doesn't want to kill the whole universe at the time. So he finds out Annihilus is planning on wiping out the entire universe. Thanos changes sides. He's going to change his mind. And he says, you know what? I'm going to release Galactus and even things out a little bit. So before he gets a chance to do that, he, he, uh, well, let's, let's get the start of the story. I don't want to do the whole thing so that you guys can chime in on this. Corey, opening of issue four. What's your take? Yeah. So this is sort of focusing on Drax, like you said. Yeah. As he, as he makes his way through the annihilation wave on his own. Once again, yeah, fantastic art. Laura Valari is the as the colorist. Uh, we've mentioned the colorist many times. I don't think we've called her called her out by name yet. Just fantastic as the tension kind of builds as he's making his way slowly through the through the army. And then, meanwhile, yeah, right. Thanos is kind of deciding, like, okay, I think uh, you know, as as always, the schemer. He he he's left a back door, and so he his daughter Moon Dragon, who's been taken over by the bugs and. He kind of momentarily frees her so that he can learn more about what Nihilus really plans. But meanwhile, yeah, Nova is back looking at, at still still sort of nearby Earth, trying to figure out what to do next since it's over. And I love this scene. Uh, this is sort of a continuation of the scene from last issue, too, which I really like, too. It's just the blues here and just the, the kind of quietness of this scene. I really love. And there's a little bit of reference to Civil War, which is an event, Marvel event that was kind of running concurrently with this. And so it's sort of, it's actually, I don't know if this was just conven- conveniently or intentionally, but but it worked out really well because it explains why nobody else cares about the Annihilation Wave is because all the Marvel heroes are too busy beating each other up. And Nova kind of, you know, makes a comment about that, that like you, hear, you can hear them, they're too busy fighting among themselves, they're never going to rally against the Annihilation Wave and so he sort of makes a decision that they're not they're not going to be the help that they normally would be. And so, so yeah, he has to make a choice. And so he kind of assembles a little, little bit of a hit squad. But yeah, most of the issue is really about Drax and his journey to try and finally kill Thanos, which he was sort of programmed to do. Kind of a catching breath a little bit and a little bit of uh, building to the next big escalation. So it's, you know, I think the first three issues just felt like almost unrelenting, just so 
explosive. And then this issue, I think, even though there's still a lot of action and there's a lot of tension and there's obviously the good guys are still losing, but there is a moment of like, all right, let's regroup a little bit, even though the group is very small and almost non-existent at this point. So yeah, kind of a cool shifting of gears that is, I think, was the right call. Doug, what'd you think? Yeah, it it definitely is a it's it's an issue that slows things down a little bit, but we get a lot of progression. It's not it doesn't slow it to the point of, you know, you begin to lose interest. It's a nice like you said everybody just kind of <sighs> takes a breath and the nice conversation between Peter and Rich. Peter understands Rich enough at this point that he knows that Rich is going to go out on his own and and take the fight to Annihilus. You know, he may not have a united front. He may not have allies, but he's going to go try anyway. And Peter doesn't hesitate to go with him. I, I like that scene quite a bit. I like that Rich is, I mean, he's frustrated about the way the heroes on Earth are acting because he thought, you know, at the end of the previous issue when he was talking to Ronan, he had hope that he could gather Earth's heroes and make one, make another run at it. Cause he tells Ronan, you know, you fought the Fantastic Four. You know what they're capable of. And then Rich has to find out that basically the heroes that he always looked up to have let him down. And you can hear it in his voice that he's, he's angry at them, that he's disappointed in them. And then, you know, like we're saying, we're seeing a lot more personal moments, kind of. We're seeing Drax taking the fight to him, and we're getting some of Thanos. But the plot's still being driven forward, in this case, by Moondragon. She reveals to Thanos, hey, you know, you might think you're being smart about this and using Annihilus, but here's what he's really after, and he's using you. Thanos at this point's like, okay, nobody does that to me and I'm going to release Galactus. But of course, that doesn't seem to go as planned. So, and again, this is all just in the beginning of the issue. So it's, it just keeps us, keeps us going and it's just a great start. Yeah. It's, it's another, I guess the way they, a, a bit of a change of pace. And again, the pacing overall that, that Keith Geffen does in, in this, for this story is really fits. And even though we're kind of changing a little bit of the focus, cause the, the primary focus is Drax and his, his sworn duty, his life's mission. The fascinating part is Drax pulls it off. He, and, and one of the most interesting panels has the word interesting in it to me. <laughs> so when Drax punches through Thanos and takes him out, that's the last word from from Thanos. The the world killer is a little surprised. Of course, we get for as this wraps up, Moon Dragon saying, "Well, the whole idea of being able to free Galactus is coded to Thanos's DNA, so we're not going to be able to turn the battle around. We're not going to be able to release Galactus and have Galactus help us against against Annihilus." And you would have thought, you know, before Drax completed his mission that. Having Thanos on your side against Annihilus might have been a little helpful too. But of course, that's being taken away too, which again keeps narrowing it down to, you know, there's only just a few people that can turn this thing around and, and save the universe. It's a really, really good point that Corey brought up that civil war is going on. And and personally, that was always my biggest argument against civil war is that you need the heroes to stick together all the time because of threats like this. 
So it's not Thor. It's not Captain America. It's not any of the main uh, Marvel's mightiest heroes that are doing it. It's our, it's our ragtag foundational guardians of the galaxy guys and rich Ryder Nova. Who's who sees the big picture more clear than anyone else of, of what needs to be done and that they just can't quit. So yeah, civil war going on at the same time is a really important point because it does beg the question, where, where's the rest of the heroes? It's like, nobody, nobody's coming to save the day. It's on our guys right here, you know, that, that we're, that we're looking at. So the, the issue ends up with that, with a big shocking moment for, for Drax. And, and while his life's purpose may be fulfilled, I don't know that he's helped the team on those last pages. What do you, what do you think, Corey? Was he helpful or hurtful there at the end? <laughs> yeah, that, that was, I mean, that was a great, you know that character has sort of been all about that for so long, and and so it was it was <laughs> it was such a like cool moment to sort of you you did it you idiot you know like you you finally did <laughs> yeah you finally did it but you couldn't have picked a worse time to do it. <laughs> yeah yay you idiot that's a good line I like that <laughs> <laughs> Annihilation Five and it has another fantastic Gabriel Del Auto cover. And uh, this time it's Ronan the Accuser. So our story f- focus shifts again to back to the Cree. Although we have a nice kind of fun, quiet moment to start the story, you know, out of battle where Blastar is trying to give uh, Nova a little grief. And Nova's fine with it because, you know, they got bigger fish to fry. So he's not going to play with Blastar on this. But they're at least on task. So they have a little team and they're preparing to do what they're going to do. And then we go back to the fallout with Drax. And Moon Dragon, and what are we going to do with about Galactus? And they're free, so they're going to free the Silver Surfer, who helps them with the the Galactus situation. Another great decision. Devito's art every single time where he says, "You know what? When it's time to do Galactus, let's do it big, giant full panel page of Galactus getting back into the mix." And then we get back to some of the politics, uh, the, the Fiero stuff with Decree. And Ronan the Accuser gets a big moment. And so that's kind of how we jump into issue five after we, we get it, check in with Rich Ryder and the team that's trying to kill Annihilus. And then we go back into these other things with back to the direct scene. So all these, it is very cinematic. We're going to scene to scene to scene from all these, the different fronts of this war, the political part, how it's being carried out and Drax trying to clean up the mess that he made. And of course he needs the help of smart people for that, which he gets. So there's our start to Annihilation number five. Corey, what'd you think? Did this one start off? Did it did it hold your interest? Was it too much of a change of pace again or what? No, I like this. I mean, I think last issue's change of pace was exactly what was needed. And then I think this continuing sort of having three plot threads sort of running parallel and just sort of toggling between them. I, I was I kind of like that, actually, when comics and just stories in general do that, where you have like characters kind of on their way doing things and we're just sort of checking in on them as we go. It, leave one scene and go to the next and then have these little like mini cliffhangers as you kind of check in and, and move along, move over. Ronan the Accuser and the whole Kree Empire stuff it was fun. I think making Ronan and the Super Scroll, which we haven't, we haven't really talked about too much about him, but he, the two of them kind of team up on this story and it's a fun, kind of makes for a neat duo to have them sort of <laughs> begrudgingly respecting each other and working together. It's it feels feels a little anti capitalist this whole plot thread which which I which I can appreciate you know it feels like House Fiero is very like we're trying to make money we're trying to to commodify the war and and survive off of it that way and it does not work out for them it does doesn't doesn't pan out 
And then, yeah, Drax, I love the kind of desperate moment or the desperate situation that Drax is in here where he's trying to fix the mess that he made and Moondragon is helping him. And Moondragon and Drax make make another kind of interesting duo because Moondragon is Drax's daughter, even though they kind of visually seem like they must be the same age. But again, there's some like genetic tinkering and weird comic book stuff going on. But yeah, they have to team up and save the Silver Surfer to free Galactus. And uh, yeah, that page is absolutely epic. And then, yeah, Nova is definitely a little bit more of maybe even C-plot at this point. We're just kind of watching him and his small, very small team make their way, teleporting, kind of hopping through the galaxy, trying to get closer and closer to Annihilus, which is not entirely different uh, from the journey that Drax made the previous issue. So it's kind of interesting to see like these two characters in two different ways, making their way through the Annihilation Wave to get closer to the hub of the whole thing, the whole center of it. So yeah, kind of things you're kind of building back up in different places. So I liked it. Doug, what'd you think? Like you were talking about before, how you have the separate plot lines going along. But the nice thing is with these, they're all drawing everybody to eventually the same point. Again, everybody's acting in character. Nobody's acting kind of, you know, oddly than what you would expect them to. And, you know, it's I like that this is that kind of anticlimactic issue where everything is starting to get drawn to what will be the conclusion. But it's not like it's a filler. It's not a filler issue by any means. Everything is being pushed along and the plots are being driven and, and we're still getting nice character stuff. And there's some resolutions between some characters like Ronan and ravenous and even what happens with the uh, supreme intelligence and stuff it it sets up the final issue extremely well uh, you, br- you brought up one of my favorite stanley jack kirby creations or mostly jack kirby creation with the incredible visuals of of all the different characters he created the crease supreme intelligence gets a cameo appearance and again devito knocks it out of the park with the, the visuals but ronan the accuser you know is making some tough decisions because the Supreme Intelligence had let the Kree down so many times, they decided, you know, they, they, they weren't sure what to deal with. And, and for a minute, they thought that Ronan, no longer the accuser, because he had taken care of all the people that were doing the Kree wrong. And he becomes the big boss of the, uh, the Kree Empire. Yeah. So in, in a fascinating little panel where he just talks about the Supreme Intelligence will be remembered. And it's a fascinating. A creature character that had a lot of cool appearances and a lot of cosmic stories. And, you know, it's comic. So, you know, things get turned around, but it, uh, at least based on what we saw in those panels could be the very last appearance of the Supreme Intelligence. Great stuff. Great stories still rolling along. And I'm glad Corey brought up because the Super Scroll does have an interesting role. And, and really he had one of his, of the lead in miniseries. Super Scroll did have his own miniseries along with Ronan and Silver Surfer, the, the lead in miniseries to the, the main story. So the finale, as they call it, and that was actually the subheader for the story, Annihilation number six, another amazing, yes, that's right. I've said it each issue, Gabriel Dell auto cover. This one only has Nova on it and he's smoldering a little bit. So our focus with all these characters, all these heroes, the civil wars going on. It kind of, you know, comes down to this this last little group, this last little team, and one hero in particular that has got to get some stuff done. So we jump in to the story, and Silver Surfer and Galactus are 
going to try to turn this war around. So Galactus starts, I guess the Galactus wave is what, as is how it's referred to, to start to destroy tons and tons of the Annihilist wave and surfers help, helping out uh, lead the way and letting people know that the Galactus wave is coming, the counterattack to the Annihilation wave. So we, we get the plots, as Doug talked about, they all start to come in together and we are obviously our last issue of the series, but it's kind of interesting how they start to align towards the end. And then we get Nova gets his moment. But before he gets his moment, Corey, what'd you think of those opening pages of Annihilation number six? Yeah, this is this. I mean, the first two pages alone are just amazing. Uh, Silver Surfer. And then you see Galactus's hand coming out of the ship that he was, you know, he's just been freed. And, and then he's just massive and building up this energy to strike back at the Annihilation Wave. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I love just Galactus is just such a cool character with all these cool visuals along with him and just this like foreboding, massive, just like cosmic being. And so it makes for great visuals like this where you really feel, especially that title page there where he's just so massive that you can't even make out his his head because like, we're kind of like down by his feet and we're looking up and he it's just in shadow and his eyes glowing with this like stream of light coming out of the, his eyes just like you know you made galactus mad and this is not going to go well so yeah it's just such a cool moment and it feels like okay now it's time to pay the piper annihilus and yeah but this like explosive this galactus wave that he sends out has kind of echoes into the first issue where nova had to call a strike on their position and had to lose some of their people and so galactus's wave blasts out to destroy all of the annihilus ships annihilation wave ships that are kind of surrounding him but there are other people around there too including nova and his little squad of teammates and so it's it's a thing where it it's an undiscriminating (laughs) galactus wave it's just attacking whatever it hits and there are these sequences where you see all the various four different sort of scenes that we quickly see that are getting hit by the galactus wave it does a lot of good it helps in the war effort but there's collateral damage and that you know it's going to have its own costs very cool moment very cool sense of this really is the big finale doug what do you think it sounds incredibly goofy, but this is one of those few comics, especially this last issue, you know, from the beginning up to where the Galactus event explosion happens. It's I can hear like a soundtrack in my head and it's that symphonic, you know, action movie big event where the, where the symphony is getting loud and it's building up and it's, Oh, crud. Here we go. And I think that's a so, real so tribute. Doug, is, it, is, is it John Williams? Did John Williams score this for you in yeah. your head? Is it like oh, it's kind always, of bombastic? Kind of? Oh, it's always John Williams. Yeah. If you're going <laughs> to go big, go Williams. So there you go. All right. Uh, All right. <laughs> and, but you know, I think probably my, <laughs> one of my favorite, my favorite lines by Rich Ryder. Of the whole series comes after when the wave is heading towards them. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> That's our rich, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
He's one. He's one. He's an eloquent guy. You know, yeah. he's got the vocabulary you need, yeah. right? In a crunch time, he's, you know, yeah. a big soliloquy. Oh crap! <laughs> so yes, with the John Williams Symphony, uh, the soundtrack playing, I like that now because now I'm going to be able to hear the big music during the moments. So the and that what everyone's talking about the big moment that Rich gets, and it's a it's a two panel, two double splash pages. From Andrea DeVito that really captures Nova's most famous, I guess you would say, heroic moment of all time. He gets a nice assist. Uh, Philoville gets the quantum bands and the quantum bands are huge importance because another, if you're another cosmic fan, you know, Quasar had the quantum bands for a while and Philoville taking over. She's able to get the quantum bands off Annihilus, set up a nice assist, although she gets blasted by an Annihilus before Rich gets in there and he I guess kind of basically guts Annihilus like a fish. And another great line, one of my favorites from the book, Ugh, not too gross from mm-hmm. our Richard Ryder mm-hmm. for the epic moment where <laughs> <Yeah>. he takes <laughs> takes you down. So what do you think, Corey? The big the big moment. Is it is, yeah, do you that, think is it Nova's big moment? Is it his most famous moment? Yeah, I would absolutely think I think this is probably this that two page those pages is probably like this iconic image now for him, for the character. Yeah, he basically, I mean, it's kind of cool because he, so he fought Annihilus in the end of the mini, of the Nova miniseries, right? You know, the, the little prologue miniseries. And, you know, he, he barely survived that. And so he knows that Annihilus has this exoskeleton, you know, so these are bugs basically that they're fighting and bugs have exoskeletons. And so he, I don't know, I don't know how much he thought this out. I think it was just, I think he just improvised it, but he basically just grabs down his throat and rips out. <laughs> rips rips it out rips him, his organs out and yeah it's gruesome fitting for the how gruesome kind of some of the visuals have been on this but effective <laughs> and yeah i love that that probably is my favorite line ugh not too gross like a little bit of sarcasm and as he just collapses just crazy visual crazy like you know one of those things that i think that i love about comics is how sometimes the creativity is just you just wouldn't you would you wouldn't see this in like tv or film or you know books or things like that i mean you maybe you would but but it's just you know seeing it the way it's done the the reason that it was done because it it, like it was a strategically a smart move because annihilus is like all armored and basically so that's like the only way to kind of get into him and, and actually harm him so just on multiple levels the galactus wave in the beginning the kree skyscraper ships and then the nova's dissecting Annihilus. It's just like three tentpole crazy visuals. What a way to end an event. Uh, what do you think, Doug? What would you think of the, the big finale? To me, it almost has a uh, spaghetti Western ending feel to it. You know, the two two facing each other out there and, you know, he's Nova slightly back and then you see Annihilus's one hand like he's reaching for his reaching for his weapon and it's you know, it's the big showdown. You know, my soundtrack went from John Williams to, you know, spaghetti Western soundtrack. And, you know, they're just, they're just going at it. And Phyla's like trying to help. And even, you know, Peter's like, what you expect? And he, he wasn't going to hold us back. He, you know, he, Peter knows Rich well enough that he knows this was going to be one on one. And it's still, it's rich. He knows this is, it's all or nothing. And, he decides, well, let's see what you had for lunch and pulls out his guts. So 
I think it, it's very poignant. I think it's a, a wonderful ending to that scene where he sees Thanos and death itself together. And he's basically saying, not today. Like Rich says, better luck next time. And then we get the epilogue going along. What do you think of the epilogue, Don? Awesome. I, th- I thought the epilogue was awesome. Rich gets that moment because, you know, sometimes it depends on where you, you end things. And sometimes an epilogue helps. In this case, it really does because Rich got to talk about where the way things are going and where they're going. We get his second page where he, you see he's holding something. It turns out to be a picture of his parents. So you, you, we get the whole look of, you know, how far he's come and how accomplished he is all of a sudden. And he's talking about what he should do. And I, I, these, these words of part of his narration is, there's a big part of me that wants to go home, just return to earth and try my hand at being plain old rich writer. As if that were possible now, he knows how much things have changed and how much things have changed. And it, it gets to, to uh, and he was talking about the Nova Corps, but that other line he gets to say, we saved the universe. Had to say that once just to hear how it sounds. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Did you like the epilogue, Corey? Yeah, I love you calling these panels out particularly, especially because that they, they resonated for me too. Yeah, I mean, he, he has changed so much. He cannot be the old Rich, Richard Ryder anymore. And so it's a great moment. This picture actually made an appearance, this photograph that he's holding made an appearance early in the miniseries. Uh, I think it was issue two or three or something like that, where we see him with Gamora for the first time and he's ruminating about, you know, his life and the odds that they're facing. And, and so it's cool that, you know, that he held on to that through the entire war. And I like the way Andrea DeVito drew them, you know, it's a little bit, you know, like probably, you know, feels like probably from the seventies kind of a, kind of a thing. Like it's, it's an old picture. It's obviously an old, old picture of them. It really does show how much this character has grown and that, yeah, he really can't go home anymore. You know, and, and, and how true is that for all of us? Like when you think about growing up as a kid and, you know, in high school and college, and then as an adult, sometimes you wish you could just go back to being a kid and that dynamic, but you can't. There's just no, there's, you can't recreate that, that, that life experience, that life moment. And he knows that that's the case for him. So yeah, I love, I love the epilogue. And we see this final epilogue scene of where we see that basically the annihilation wave was defeated, but not destroyed. And they actually get a part of, they get some territory. They actually get some planets of their own. And so now there is this little annihilation wave section of space. And we see that there's a rebirth of Annihilus, that there's a new little baby Annihilus, I guess. I don't quite understand what, how that came to be, but Ravenous has a little Annihilus Jr. that he, that was just given birth. And so it is not over, even though we think it's over. Yeah. And, and to quote Rich Ryder, eh, not too gross. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever that yeah, annihilation thing was. Yeah. Doug, what'd you think of the epilogue? Excellent. I mean, it's, it's only what, five pages, but it covers so much ground and so many characters. And like we talked about before, there's a lot of that gritty underpinning stuff about the realities of war in this turn. In this case, the political realities, there's a treaty, but it's not just cut and dry. There are concessions that are made in order for there to be peace and not everybody's necessarily happy about it, but 
it's the common ground that everybody could fight because they're all tired of the war. And we get to see Galactus gets a herald again. And then we see what happens to the former heralds. And just this pan, it's nothing seriously involved. It's like panel by panel. Here's what I'm setting up to do. Here's Cami and here's Phyla and here's Blastar and the folks just one panels setting them up to their next adventures, whatever they might be. Rightfully so, Rich Ryder gets a whole page to himself and just a, you did a great job of breaking that page down, Don. And then, of course, we get, you know, like a normal horror movie. You got to have the spin, the twist ending of, oh, oh, no, he's not, he's not totally destroyed because Annihilus is reborn. Or as Rich would say, oh, crap. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, oh, uh, just, it, you know, it, I think it hit the ending. It didn't have a letdown. And I, you know, from beginning to end, just like you said, Don, just probably the greatest Nova story to be told so far. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know where the line is from a movie or whatever that where they, people talk about. We'll always have Paris. Well, Xandar Radio, Nova fans, you know what? We'll always have Annihilation right here. <laughs> I recommend the hardcover. It's, it's a beautiful book. You'll love it. Sets up the sequel, Ah Crap Part Two. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and that completes our look at Annihilation. Hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank Don and Corey for joining us again today. And we'll be together for the next episode. And thanks everyone for listening. Final thoughts. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Xandar Radio. I hope you enjoyed it and look forward to receiving your feedback. Send your comments as a voice message, and it may be played in a future episode. And of course, you're always welcome to send an email to xandarradio at gmail.com or leave a post at the Xandar Radio Facebook page. All avenues of contact can be reached at novaprimepage.com slash podcasts.asp. I'd like to extend a very big thank you to Corey Blake and Don Lund for their time and insights. Thanks, guys. Thank you for taking time to listen to the program today. The next episode of Xandar Radio will be released in April. It will have the latest Nova news, fun features, and a new Studio 64 roundtable session as we begin our look at the Abnet and Lanning Nova series. Until then, have a blue blazing day. This is the world mind. I am taking back control from my human host. Zander Radio is a Studio 64 production of the Nova Prime page. This program is the property of Doug Smith. Nova and other characters mentioned are trademarks of Marvel characters, incorporated, all rights reserved. Music heard in the program is by Chad Crouch. A link to his site and the license can be found at novaprimepage.com.